On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. Nothing, nothing. Two out bottom of the ninth. Guerrero wearing his dad's old number 27. The 1-0 pitch. Swung on and belted. Deep left center field. Are you kidding me? Vladimir Guerrero Jr. just walked it off. The Blue Jays win it. one nothing. What a way to cap off the spring. I'm not sure what the f*** this is. I'm about to find out. This is Tall Can Audio. How's it going, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. My name's Matt Robinson, here with you in our studios in beautiful Bytown, Canada. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio, Facebook.com slash Tall Can Audio. Of course, we hope you will subscribe wherever you're listening to this one. Uh, opening day this week for your Toronto Blue Jays against the New York Yankees. Time to talk a little baseball and uh, happy to be welcoming to the show, Andrew Stoughton. How are you doing today? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. I uh, really appreciate you making some time. Um, you know how we do things around here. We, uh, we we talked about it a little bit. What have you brought to the dance today? I have. Now, we talked off air. I am in the Peterborough area, yep. which is to say I'm in Peterborough. I am, uh, I'm doing a, a disservice to my city by not representing a, a local beverage. Uh, okay. Though so we do have uh, the publican house, which is actually very, fairly close to where I live, hmm. uh, which makes some tasty beverages. I could have gone down there, and uh, and frankly, I didn't. We have okay. some nice, lots of really interesting things going on around here. Bob Cajun Brewery is a really uh, good one locally. Church Key out in ha- uh, Campbellford is good. Uh, today I have, uh, because I'm a cider person, mm. uh, I have, and it's not really craft. It's kind of like phony craft because it's owned by Mill Street, and <laughs> which is owned by... Uh, in Bath, I believe, but I have Stadium Island Peach from Brickworks Cider House. Okay, I haven't tried that one. Um, it uh, it is quite delicious and and baseball themed. Beautiful, yeah. Um, I just not too long ago did a big order from the the Bob Cajun Brewery with their uh, their delivery stuff. They had some really nice stuff. A really nice, um, I think it was called like Moonlight Stout or something like that. I'm really into the dark ones, so uh, um, yeah, they've they make some really good stuff. I hadn't heard of the uh, the Campbellford one. I've written that down here. Any suggestions? Uh, it's been a while since I've had church key, but, uh, so no. And also okay. again, I'm a cider guy at this point in my life. I right, sort of okay. gave up on beer at one point right. uh, and never looked back. Um, want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, the, the season coming up, it's opening day, all these sorts of things, but we like to ask people a little bit about their background. Um, you know, kind of, how'd you get your, your start writing on the, on the blue Jays? Oh, just by being a jerk on the internet, basically. <laughs> I mean, uh, friends and I started a blog called Drunk Jays Fans, uh, uh, a hockey pool message board where we would talk about how much we hated what Richard's, uh, Richard Griffin was writing in the star, basically, a couple of us. <laughs> and people eventually were like, take that somewhere else. We don't need to see it. I think it was maybe it was on the email chain. But it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It was, a, it was pre-social media, and we were sort of banished from talking about baseball among our friend group. Uh, so we just started a Blogspot page and then like threw down our thoughts, and it turned out six months later, like a ton of people were reading it. And uh, I remember, like, we, it, it kind of blew up nice. fast. Like that, it was a crazy year. It was a, like that was just sort of when companies were like, "Oh, there's blogs. They're taking away our traffic. Maybe we should hire those people." Or like, they at first they were very friendly. They talked to a lot of bloggers, and you know, I remember being mentioned in the Globe and Mail by Jeff Blair and stuff and being like, whoa, this is, this is weird. Like stuff's happening with this <laughs> stupid little thing that we, that we did, like just thinking nothing of it. And, uh, eventually exploded isn't the right word, but it yeah, did end honestly. up leading to a job and then several more jobs. And then, you know, several times not having a job and doing it on my own. And that's sort of where we're at. 
I want to ask you about the new project you got going here. I somehow, uh, in, in firing things up, forgot to talk about what I've brought with me here today. I'm uh, I'm not going oh, with yeah. the hometown either. I got something from the Kingsville Brewery. Uh, I had to look up where Kingsville was. It turns out it is the uh, furthest most most southern township in Ontario, down in Essex, Ex- Essex County. God damn, I haven't even had a sip of my beer yet. I'm already <laughs> tripping over my uh, Essex County near Windsor. Um, the Kingsville Brewery in Kingsville, Ontario. This is their... Speaking of words, I'm going to trip over. They're Heffenweizen, uh, a German straw slash amber colored kind of thing they got going on here. Uh, they say it's got hints of, of different spices and banana. So I'll be fascinated to see what that's all about. 5% uh, Heffenweizen from the Kingsville Brewing Company. Um, I want to get to what you're doing right now, but you did have a couple stops along the way. The score, the athletic kind of, can you take us through kind of your journey after the uh, the original start with, uh, with Drunk Jays fans? Because... Uh, even early on while you were doing it, well, we're probably talking about 2009. Is that right? Uh, I think we started late 2006. Oh, okay. Like I was at the score by 2009. Okay. Actually. Fair enough. Yeah, it was really quickly. So, you know, the, the team is mediocre at best, but some of the, the media personalities <laughs> at times that you're critiquing are getting involved or commenting. Like a lot of guys seem to be willing to uh, take it and have a good um, a good time with it. Whereas in some cases, maybe people would have been worried about burning any bridges. Did you have any thoughts that it might turn into a mainstream gig? No, none whatsoever. Why would it, I would have done it completely differently if I ever thought, <laughs> thought that that was going to be the case? Yeah. Uh, I probably would have done the athletic differently if I thought that was going to be the sure. case too. Like, uh, but no, it, it was just that was sort of our thing. We, you know, the. Uh, one of the one of the managers, one of the executives at the score, who was sort of in charge of the web, John Jonathan Savage, was a big backer of us, and he sort of he was he was working at the sports company, but was a music guy really didn't didn't follow sports very much, but he just sort of liked our punk rock ethos and really sure. enjoyed talking music with us, and, uh, and and that was sort of the spirit of it. We were just like we were there to to fuck things up, right? <laughs> like, it, and and we sort of embraced that, and and that was that's what we were sort of like at the time in our personal lives as well. So. Uh, yeah, we just went about it a little differently and then sort of over time, uh, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to get hemmed in by a shtick, right? Right. I see, I don't want to name anybody in particular, but I see people who are, you know, who, who I'm like, that could be me if I had continued just doing the angry fan, uh, thing for, you know, for a decade, like that would have, that would have just, uh, that would have been. A nightmare, I think, for me. <laughs> uh, other people have, have can have done it very successfully and and, and done you know you know all, all power to them. But like, but so I don't know. It just sort of evolved over that at the over time into I don't know, just always being whatever voice I have at the moment. It, it's been uh, and and the score. You know, you get sort of into the media industry, and it's like, oh, this is now a career, mm-hmm. and uh, turns out that's a bit of a volatile industry. So, yeah, no uh, doubt. I've been, I've been lucky to have some great stops and work with great people, and you know, sometimes uh, the industry uh, bounces around from idea to idea, or, or has just all sorts of things going on in it that make your life precarious, and uh, and and that's where it's really nice actually you know i didn't i did not did not care for it at first to be uh to be back out on my own but uh so far at substack at uh, calling it the bat flip but it's stoughton.substack.com uh it's just really freeing and it's nice to sort of be my own boss and to be to work at my own pace again and to sort of have a little bit more of my own voice than having to write for you know what uh within the boundaries of what you know what the uh, the company wanted Um, but I had a great time there as well. And that was, uh, you know, that was part of this weird whole story that has come out of the hockey pool message board or whatever it was. Well, I wasn't too familiar, honestly, until the last few months, um, with Substack until you moved on there. There's a couple people I like Andrew Berkshire on the the hockey front. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's on there. I really like Graham Nichols here in Ottawa. It's really, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Um, and what you have going on, uh, with Substack and, and what the, the kind of premise is for people who aren't super familiar yet. Yeah, well, uh, Substack kind of brands itself as a newsletter website. It's about you know getting email addresses and 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 sending people email. I, I basically uh, I'm sort of upending the form. I feel like I'm sort of just using it as a blog, uh, but it's just it's a it's very nice, clean looking blog, and it has a great system for monetizing what you do. And and a lot of people are behind paywalls. I'm currently not. I take. I happily take people's money and I, and I will need to continue doing that, but, uh, but I'm not like charging for content at the moment, which is sort of a different model. I think than a lot of people are using it there. Uh, but I didn't want to 
I didn't want to write for 300 people or whatever, you know, whatever the number was going to be for the first little while. Uh, and and it, it's a bigger number than that right now, but, it, yeah. but it's, but, sure. but, but, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I just think it, it was better to, to, to be back out from, cause I was paywalled at the athletic and that mm-hmm. was sort of thing I was reticent about at first because it was like, Oh, everyone, everybody could read everything I would re- was writing before. And, uh, and then it became, uh, then it became just a weird, a different situation. I was, I was, I knew that one day that would end and I was always concerned about what would happen on the other side of it because you kind of shrink your audience when you only yeah. let people, you almost have to remind uh, people if you're back out here, this is what I do. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So for now, so that's, I'm not ruling out eventually one time at one point going behind the paywall, maybe that'll be a necessity, sure. but for now it's been, it, it's been, uh, it's been just functioning like a blog and I, I've been doing my thing and, uh, and it's it's been really great. It's been the response has been outstanding. Uh, lots of readers, you know, like I, I've been very heartened by uh, the number of people that are reading and and how frequently and and who the people who are signing up and paying or not paying. I know it's it's tough for people. Uh, yeah, believe me, I was out of work for sure. for a few months there, <laughs> wondering what I was going to do next. And so uh, I feel like it's coming together quite well. Uh, but we're still in the early stages. And yeah, Substack is. Uh, uh, Interesting. I have my qualms with the platform. I don't have. I don't like. Don't care for their editorial stance. I'll tell you that much. But uh, that's something that came about after uh, yeah. I signed up. But I kind of feel penned in by it at the moment. So I'm right. not sure if I would have gone with them if I uh, <laughs> if I'd known they were out there paying turfs and weirdos to to write for them. But uh, yeah, it's a little weird. <laughs> don't care. For, don't care for having my audience subsidize that. Frankly, sure. And, uh, and it hurts me, I think, because I would assume people are reticent to do that as well, and and that sucks, and may force a change. But uh, but for now, uh, I've taken people's money for for like a year long subscription, so right. I'm going to be there for the year for sure. Certainly, so. yeah. Um, hit us again. One, we'll put it in the show notes, but hit us again with the address so people can find it there. Sure, it's uh, it, you can go to the batflip.ca or it's also stoughton.substack.com. Perfect. Highly recommend. Um, I, I'm. It's amazing how I went through a, a period in my life where I got big on like newsletters when it was a first like a big deal to be able to do that by email and thought it was super convenient. And then I kind of like I uh, got sick of all these emails in my inbox and now I find myself almost going back that way like it's easier than than having to seek it out it just it shows up in my email and I'm kind of back enjoying that. It's funny how you kind of go through phases of Yeah, I I think a lot of people are like the I you know I still kind of it's weird because I'm at I'm, sub, I'm on Substack, but I kind of hate email. But you're absolutely right. I mean, and there used to be a time where, you know, just in your daily internet life, you would like go to Deadspin, yes, or you would exactly. go. There were websites you would go to, and now if it doesn't come across my Twitter, I I, yeah. I don't see it anymore. Right, like yeah. so. This was a great way to start getting back into it. Um, so like I said, highly recommend. Um, let's talk a little about the Blue Jays. Opening day is this week. Uh, a lot of us ready to see. Um. A full season, hundred. We'll we'll see. Hopefully, a full season, hundred and sixty-two mm-hmm. games. Um, I guess just kind of before we dive into what your expectations for the year are, were you surprised by anything that they did uh, through the off season? We knew they kept saying there was going to be big moves. It it took a while. They did end up making big moves. Is this sort of what you would have expected, or did anything catch you off guard? I, it is, but I don't think I ever convinced myself they'd actually sign George Springer, right? right. Like until that actually happened. And you know, I am a, I, I I can't deny it because it's a, they're in print with everything I write. Like I I believe in what Shapiro and Atkins are doing. I think that that's that that's uh, they've got a good foundation running the club. And I you know I know other fans look at the bad old days of Rogers and are like <laughs> this is this is not a, they they have real trouble completely understandably buying in. Uh, that like when the Blue Jays say they have money and are going to spend, that they're a yes. that they do and want to, and b that they're actually going to be able to pull it off. Right. And the last couple of winters have been really, really uh, exciting in that regard because they've actually managed to do it. And mm-hmm. like, you know, this year was they were so lucky, uh, or whatever you want to call it, that you know, I mean, the Dodgers got Bauer, but they were generally out on most free agents. The Yankees and the Red Sox weren't big players, and this is the, you know, it was such a perfect opportunity for a team like the Blue Jays who would usually, you know, be have to shop in the middle tier right. uh, of free agents to go out and get someone that great. And so, uh, you know, I believe that they could do it. It seemed like it was possible. Obviously it was, uh, but it was still very much a surprise that they actually managed to get, managed to get it done. Did you think, 
you know, I, I, I was one of those people very, very hard on Shapiro and Atkins. I didn't think they made a very good first impression when they got here. Um, and just, you know, I, to be totally honest, just kind of an Alex fanboy, right? Whoever was going to be next wasn't going to be my guy. Um, so, but over the last couple of years, you've seen them do exactly what they said they were going to do. They have rebuilt the farm system. It is in good shape. They have gone out and gotten some names. And so I'm coming around, right? I'm easing up on them a little bit. I was a little surprised that if you are going as all in as they appear to be with some of these big signings, that they didn't do a little bit more to shore up the the rotation. And and I wasn't expecting them to get Bauer and Springer or anything like that, but maybe another kind of middle of the rotation arm. Um, and now, as we approach opening day, there are some banged up people on that pitching staff. It, it looks like it would have been a better idea, even again, in hindsight. Did you think they might do more in that regard? Like, it, I guess to me, it's just once you're all in, be all in, I guess, sort of my, my, and I'm not sure with that rotation that they ever truly were. And right now with the injuries, they're definitely question marks, I would say. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely, I a hundred percent expected after, like after Springer, they were still going to go and get an arm of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, they obviously, I think part of it is that they were working with Ray. They worked with Matt. I mean, the Matt steel was, I didn't want to think about it that way, but it was, you know, it seemed to be the end of their pursuit of, of starters. Yes. They were kind of lingering around, but they certainly weren't going to give multiple years to guys like, like Walker or, or, uh, or Jake Odorizzi, which, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. There were the, the market wasn't, wasn't ideal, no. but there were certainly guys out there that they could have got. I mean, it would have been interesting. I would, you know, it'd be nice to see James Paxton on mm-hmm. this team, uh, which I think they could have done. Uh, and what would that have prevented them doing? Well, you know, maybe Kirby Yates, which uh, <laughs> which they yes. should have clearly done. But who knows what's going to happen with Paxton? Uh, I definitely think they think their internal options uh, are pretty good, and they, they were aware of that. And I guess I would just say, with like with the all in thing, I don't know if they are all in. Like, I mean, uh, they're spending and they're looking to be good, but they're still looking forward to next winter, and they right. keep talking about that. And you know, I just I don't know if that's how they they view things. And I you know. That doesn't mean that that's the right way to view it, but I think they definitely uh, just look at each year as a progression, not necessarily sure. as as an end game. And I think that that yeah, they, I like I say, I definitely expected them to get more pitching. It certainly looks right now like they could use another starter, but this is also you know Pearson is probably not going to be down for very long. Robbie Ray just you know freak accident carrying his kid down the stairs, yeah. ends up bruising his elbow. That hopefully isn't going to be very long. Uh, Thomas Hatch, apparently that's, you know, the good, the news there is good so far. So uh, it'll be, I think, in fairly short order that they'll have some decent options. They also have Alec Manoa, who I don't think they're going to, like, bring up anytime soon. But uh, him and Simeon Woods-Richardson, and I think this is something that they understood from last year at the alternate site, they're probably closer than a lot of people think. So hmm. I, the idea of bringing in someone mediocre, bringing in another Tanner Rourke uh, to to yeah. shore up the rotation <laughs> this year, I understand why they didn't go that way either. Right? Sure. Um, I guess as we kind of stay on the, the rotation for a minute, the, you're right. Like it does look like Robbie Ray is going to be back and, and Steven Matz had a, a pretty good spring um, by all accounts. But even when healthy, what are they, right? Like do we buy into what is, is Pete Walker, the, the, the pitch whisperer or whatever we've we've dubbed him right in terms of what he's turned Robbie Ray has he turned Robbie Ray back around and can we believe in 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 this spring that Steven Matz has had what do you kind of make of the rotation when healthy is it good enough to keep them in the race you know the the I wrote a little bit recently about the the uh the Pete Walker as the pitching whisperer thing that's based on a you know just a little link comment about uh, something Mike Wilner wrote written at the Toronto Star and uh you know, Wilner in his piece about Walker is, is super cool. He just seems like a real good dude. Like I'm on the, I was on the Zoom calls last year. I get the, I get the, you know, the the Scrum video this year. I see him interacting with people. Uh, just a cool dude, smart. Just has his head on straight, and he really, you can't say enough good about Pete Walker. He just mm-hmm. seems great, and and guys gravitate to him and want to work with him, and that's awesome. I don't want to disparage Pete Walker, but no. I don't I don't see the list of names where he's really made that huge a difference. Right, okay. You know, I think this is sort of getting a you know, and Wilner's piece, Marco Estrada, incredible. That's that's one. I'll fully give it to him, but mm-hmm. uh, but after that, his, I think the list of, like, the brightest lights of the, under Walker's tutelage was, like, Aaron Sanchez, which was kind of like, he was good already, and then he was 
okay for him. Like, right. And then, you know, Jay Happ had Ray Searage and that way he kind of came fully formed. And I don't know that there are the examples that, that we sort of think of when we talk about, you know, uh, putting him in the pantheon of pitching coaches. But right. uh, that said, I, you know, the early results on Ray look great. And there's obviously a reason those that, that Ray wanted to come back and work with him. Uh, Matt's the experience there seems to have been uh, uh, very good so far. And, and they're, they're sort of getting the best out of him, uh, at least in the spring. We'll see how that carries over. Uh, but these are guys who are, threes right yeah at best probably so the uh, so I, I a lot of it rests on what nate pearson is a lot of it rests on you know whether guys like hatch and k and trent thornton uh whether they can take a step forward uh and also what they do at the trade deadline i think that's going to be big but they kind of got to get there first so it, it it's not not a concern right what do you think the uh just quickly the the state secret that they keep so close to the vest that Ryu is going to start game one. Like, why is this the <laughs> nuclear football? We have one ace that's clearly the guy. Um, they seem really weird about this sort of thing. They are often very weird about about just little things that they don't have to be weird about. And it's it's and there's a lot of GMs around. You know, you listen to guys and and you get the same thing. But then there's others where it's just so refreshing where they're just plain spoken and they're like, yeah, he's probably going to have Tommy John, and this is it. and they'll just they'll just say the stuff that we all know and not worry about getting bitten if on the like off, off, off chance. That right. Something they said turns out to not be true. Like it, it, it is, it's, it's odd. It's odd because you could just, you could just say, and maybe they just don't think that they have that sort of sway in the market because like you say, it was, it was real rocky at the start sure. for completely understandable reasons. Uh, but you know, maybe they're just worried that their words are going to be used against them. So they don't, try to you know offer that kind of fodder uh except they sort of do in other ways you know they'll be like oh well we got 48 years of control (laughs) you know like okay that's the time you're honest like that that was one you maybe should have held a little closer but (laughs) but seriously i i I can't explain i don't i can't you know i can't explain why they think especially something so obvious that if they had come out in a scrum and said you know weeks ago ryu's gonna be our opening day starter everybody would just went yeah like we know but yeah, and you order. definitely you see the you see. I mean, I I work on a different timeline. I kind of work on my own timeline. But you definitely, I saw reporters tweeting like on a Friday night they yes. like they announced, and it's like so we have to we have to do this now. Like <laughs> what? Like why did it have to come out this way? You're not helping them do their jobs. Uh, and they're you know you probably should. They're they're valuable people, valuable cogs in your brand building. Right. Right. Do you um do you expect to see, a, you know, once everyone is healthy, just kind of a five man rotation this season, or are we going to see a lot of shuffling and skipping days and and piggybacks and openers and like is this they they seem to be almost going in this uh, quasi Tampa route right with some of your analytics and and just being open to different things and and I think you should you should at least consider it but do you expect we ever just kind of see them get on a roll of five guys or is, or are we going to see a lot mixed in here I you know I don't really know but I, I think the I think that uh, we'll probably see a lot of it I, they obviously they're looking at fatigue units and they're bearing they're monitoring their technology so that they can see our arm angle drops and stuff like that. Any sort of, they have indicators of fatigue that, you know, can be imperceptible or that a player might not necessarily be telling them. And I think they're going to be very uh, aware of that and, and use that to, uh, you know, have guys skip starts. And I think we will see a bit of that, but especially, you know, you have Ryu who already is like, you would rather have him on an extra day of rest. Yeah. You have Pearson who just doesn't have the innings and has had the health issue. Like you're going to want to, to bump him from starts or bump him back a couple of days. And so we may see bullpen days. Uh, I, d- I don't know how crazy they can get with it uh, just because of the roster uh, limitations. You know, you, you, you know, there's only 26 guys. They're going to have as many <laughs> arms in the bullpen as they can. Yeah. It's going to be hard a bit to churn guys from the minor leagues to the majors because they don't have a ton of guys with uh, with minor league options that are sort of that fit that role. Like, you know, Thornton can go up and down, but he's kind of a big leaguer. Hatch and K can go up and down. Um, and the, the, but that's tough too, because there's rules about how long you have to be sent, you know, you have to be in the minors and that nobody really likes that, mm-hmm. especially if you're sort of a big leaguer, uh, if you feel you're established to get, you know, to be part of that churn is maybe not, uh, is not great. And so that may end up being something that they do more with, 
uh, with shorter relievers because you know you can see more guys sort of of that form that sort of will fit into those last spots on the roster. Yeah. So I think it's going to be tough, and I think that yeah, they're going to they're definitely going to have guys who can go multiple innings in relief, and maybe that's a, a partly a path to it. Like just pull guys from starts earlier and earlier. They obviously you know you mentioned Tampa, they're 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 on that train as well. You know to begin with. Uh, but it'll be interesting. I, I think that they're going to try to have it as normal as possible, but they're just going to respond to the the uh, the monitoring that they're doing of, of fatigue and, and watching these guys and, and and sort of go from there. So we'll see, I think. Right. But I think that that's sort of why they've set themselves up also with like, they got a ton of guys like they have, you know, they obviously didn't five years out see that, oh, we need to have, they know that they have to have a bunch of AAA <laughs> pitching, but, but they really do. They have a lot of options. And I don't think that they felt they had to, move heaven and earth to make sure that they you know would uh could follow some grand plan this year it's just sort of we have a bunch of good arms and so we're going to end up having to use them i know they finished up their last uh spring training game just before we started recording have they announced do we know the rotation the first time through uh we do not uh they announced the tj tj zoic announced that he had been told he'd made the team right after he got his head kicked <laughs> against the <laughs> phillies which was not ideal uh so he was sort of in line he pitched really well this spring they really liked him it it boggles my mind a bit uh because he just does not miss bats like there is just no swing and miss and the the jays really liked the he added some velocity the sink has been moving well well like the sinker's been moving well he's he, he's done well, but he relies so much on his defense. And today, it, the defense let him down big time. Right. And uh, but he sort of before that was in line to pitch Saturday and take Ray's spot. So I don't know if they're going to have a, a a change of heart. I think it might be smart if they did. But yeah. you know, it's just one start. But no, for now, I don't think we know anything beyond Ryu. We got to assume Stripling is getting one of them, um, mm-hmm. probably in that New York series. And then I don't know what they do when they get to uh, to Texas. There's there's some names floating around. I guess we'll wait and see how that goes. And um, what do you think, kind of in a general sense? Uh, you, you kind of made light of, and rightly so. We we had what looked like he might be an okay closer um, if he bounced back. Um, I think it was the Zoobs on Twitter put out. Uh, he was never here. You never had him. You don't. You don't miss him. It's fine. He's just gone. Yeah. Right. Um, what do you uh, Kirby Yates? Of course, they're referring to. Are we going to have a closer or is this again going to be just a leverage thing? And, um, you know, I think on Wilner's podcast on, on Monday, he was talking to Gregor Chisholm about how many starters, uh, more or less than five starters will have three saves by, or not starters, of course, pitchers will have, <laughs> uh, three saves by the end of the season. And he expects that a lot of guys are going to get that opportunity with, uh, Delise and Romano and, you know, a couple other guys jumping in there. Are we going to have a closer or will this be a committee deal? Uh, you know, I I mean, Yates is 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 gone. He's out of the equation, like you say. I I it just it always does to me seem like it, they will settle on you know inning by inning roles. Like they can talk about the committee stuff, but and I think that you know a guy like Romano in particular is is very happy doing that, very happy pitching at any time, and and that may be the case. But I think what they would probably prefer is is just to have you know, there's guys for the sixth and seventh, if that's where it crops up and maybe you can bump somebody up, but, but generally have some sort of order back there, which yeah. I think will probably lead to somebody just emerging and probably Romano being the guy who emerges as the, as the guy who gets the ninth inning. And, and uh, but I, uh, you know, I don't know. They obviously, they have an opportunity here where they, you know, Yates was probably promised uh, yeah. saves and promised the opportunity to pitch in the ninth. They, they don't have to do it that way. So, so we'll see. They may, they may, try it out but i i you know i i am much more you know to the analytics side but i but they're just sort of traditionally the clo- traditionally the closer by committee doesn't work no I'm, I'm perfectly happy to agree with that and just and well like so and many things right quarterbacks and goalies and whatever if you have several you don't have one right like that's mm-hmm. usually the uh are you concerned at all we haven't seen some of these guys much. Delise has been throwing, I guess, in the backfield quite a bit. We haven't seen a ton of of Baraki. I, I assume they're going to be ready to go, but do we know that? Uh, we don't fully. I mean, Baraki pitched uh, on on Sunday, looked good, right? Looked healthy, apparently. Like the like you say, the backfields for Delise. They say they say that he's just been back there in order to you know because they can control what he does, you know, he won't have to get stuck out in during a, during a laborious inning, yeah. uh, which is odd because you can roll guys this year and there's, you know, there's mechanisms they could have used to just have them in the game. Mm-hmm. So it is a little bit of a concern there. Um, 
You know, I I don't know. I don't know. But it's also, you know, we got to be careful not to get too hung up on opening day and yes, and and think more of the long the long haul, the big picture. And I think that they're, you know, they've got a bunch of really good arms back there. Uh, you know, Romano looks good to go. I mean, Phelps, I think had a didn't have his best uh, outing in the last time he was out. I don't know if that was Saturday or Sunday, but but he's looked really good. Chatwood's looked really good. Merriweather looked good again on uh, on Monday here, and uh, I, I like you know I think, I'd like to see him have a good year. He's been through some I, shit that guy. Like yeah, same same. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see him as a starter. I think he's got the stuff to do it. It's just the health, but yeah. you know, maybe maybe you start to push that a little bit if uh, if things start going well in the bullpen. But uh, that's the, <laughs> he's sure. still he's got a lot of time before I think he inspires confidence to like go out and really push that arm. True enough. But I think they got I think they've like I think they have some some really good options down there bullpens uh, are just see. scary right they're always a little unpredictable you never quite know year to year what you're going to get out of some of these guys and yeah and i i just think that there's enough quality and enough like just in terms of like the stuff and the velocity and you know guys enough guys with pitches that can get batters out in the big leagues that it'll eventually sort of settle into uh, something that's pretty good and then if not they they can find a way to a way to make trades right so well, why don't we get a little bit into the stuff that's not supposed to be a question mark? This is a a much heralded lineup. People are pretty excited about it. Um, are you as high on it as as everybody else? Do you expect this team to to be just scoring runs by the bucket full here this year? Yeah, I I think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not like I don't think that Teoscar is necessarily going to be the guy he was last year for forever and ever. You know, Lourdes Gurriel's had He's some not great the next years Batista. He could be. I I am I'm not rushing him out of town. I want to see what he can do. Yeah. Uh, I'm more excited about Vlad, frankly, at this point. But that's just sort of a. He a seems to be burning well. up the grass <laughs> a little less this spring, which is nice to see. Yeah, which is sort of the, the uh, Dante Bichette when he's with them last year. He's still with them as a special assistant, but he he's not as hands on. Certainly not in the dugout. But when he was last year, uh, had a media session where he just talked about hitting, which was incredible. And and one of the things he was talking about with Vlad, and I think Atkins has talked about as well, is just repeatability uh, and him losing the weight. And he was sort of, Bichette at the time addressed the idea that, you know, everyone was like, he's got to elevate more, he's got to elevate more. And he was like, no, he's got to repeat his swing better He and just do what he did in the minor leagues, which wasn't, you know, he wasn't a guy with a ton of loft. He was a guy who, you know, would hit the ball on a straight line through the center field fence. And that's sort of what we've seen a bit more now. And I think that it's, uh, it's probably due to the fact that he's able to practice better because he's he's in better shape. That he's uh, that he's just physically uh, in a position to you know put his best swing on the ball more often. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times I think Bichette would talk about him leaping out uh, at pitches and ended up rolling over on them. And, and he said, you know, at the time he was pretty adamant about you know it's not about having him you know put a more lift in his swing. His swing's fine. It's but it was about more granular details and and really being able to refine it and being in in enough shape to uh, in good enough shape to be able to get that work done that's why he's an and, all-time great major leaguer and i'm just a douche on twitter right? <laughs> <laughs> right but but it's just the combination of that and the performance we've seen from vlad this spring makes me very eager to see uh, what he's going to do this year uh, but again you don't you worry about you're getting into that spot where the expectations are just too high for him that's obviously been a problem and i think that's something that the, the jays uh, are aware of, and you hear Pyron Atkins talk about partly why they brought in Springer. I mean, obviously Springer and Semyon are great players; just to have them is great. But the ability to, for some of the younger guys to uh, to grow outside of the as much of the spotlight as they've been in the first couple of years in the big leagues is probably a real advantage for them as well. Yeah, that's an interesting point. What is a a reasonable expectation in your mind for Marcus Simeon this year didn't get off to a great start, but in the second half of what was a shortened season, uh, was back to, it, it, you know, appeared to be tearing it up pretty good. Um, should, what should we expect out of him? I mean, I don't know if I could put a number on it. I, no. I, his spring, you know, he, he clearly had a sort of a plan this spring. He was one of the guys who early on was in games a lot. Uh, I think he, I don't know if he's still like the plate appearance leader among Jays players, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me because he was early on and, and definitely, you know, just wanted to get his hacks in and, and didn't always look the best doing it. But I think is sort of, you know, one of those guys that has been afforded the fact that he's a veteran, the fact that he had, you know, an MVP caliber year, like two years ago, uh, afforded the ability to just go out and work on his own and do his thing. And, uh, and I, I, I'm not concerned. I'm not sure he's going to, 
you know, I'm not counting on him being 2019 Marcus Semyon again. But, okay. But that's the, the beautiful thing is that this in this lineup is that, that he doesn't really have to. You know, they're, they're, if, 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 you know, three or four of these guys hit the way, you know, they, they possibly can mm-hmm. and the rest of them are just okay, that's still a really good lineup. Um, should we be, I was reading your, uh, your piece today, I believe it was, talking about Springer, you know, he doesn't seem to be suffering with this oblique strain. Like it doesn't in his mind seem to be bugging him, but obviously you just spent a pile of money on him. He's your big name. Uh, the team is going to be hesitant to take any risks at all. Um, how concerned are you? And if it was up to you and, and I mean, we don't know, we don't have the medical stuff in front of <laughs> Would you sit right. him down a couple days just to be safe? Or if he wants to go, would you let him go? It's it's a it's a tricky one. I would probably let him go, but that, but that's why I'm sitting here in Peterborough, <laughs> right? Like, like I I want to see him play. I want to see him on opening day. Yeah, uh, and I may not be being entirely rational about that. Um, but yeah, it sounds like that's where he's at too. Anything I've heard Atkins talk about him, on, you know, I think he's been saying, you know, we're going to have to take take it out of his hands mm-hmm. you know if that like he's he's going to play if it's left up to him if it's left up to springer how much uh, would you love to see but yeah it's, a, it's how much of a game changer that. is a healthy george springer in this lineup is he you know obviously a few more years he's he's going to be worth it you would think but um what does that do for lengthening out the lineup and and where would you put him uh, where I put him, I, I, you know, the, the Astros are very smart and they had him leading off for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he's ever not let off right. the last few years. So that he's definitely, I'm fine with that. I know that the, uh, the lineup stuff happens every year and uh, this year I've been very much like, I'm not going to argue. <laughs> it, 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 it just, it, it, you can, it's going to change a hundred times. It is. And you, yeah. And you can, you can optimize it. Sure. But everybody's idea of what the optimal lineup is, is different. And none of them are really right. And none of them are going to be what the team does anyway. They're going to have their own black box reasons why, uh, you know, they, uh, I, I remember last year, Vlad talking about, you know, wanting to hit behind Tay Oscar because he kind of sees similar pitches to what Vlad sees. And that's, you know, that's something that doesn't get factored in to fans, you know, es- uh, no, yeah. estimations of what should, you know, what the lineup should be. But there's all those little details that, that, that we can't really know, which is a, a, a horrible thing. I hate, I hate where it's like sort of, do you, well, you got to give the team the benefit of the doubt. Cause there's things where it's like, you can still get mad about, sure. uh, about things. You know, I don't think that anyone wants to see Randall Gritchick at the top of the lineup or anything like that, but, uh, no. uh, <laughs> not so much. but, but no, to your question, like I, I yeah, I think Springer is, I mean, Springer is always amazing. I think that he, just he just makes them all that more dangerous you know it, it's baseball it's not he's not lebron he's not like a guy who can take over a a game but mm-hmm. you know you just you just keep adding quality at bats quality you know production uh it's a very good thing um the other guy i wanted to ask you about and it's funny what you said a minute ago and i hadn't been giving it giving it a ton of thought about Simeon and springer um, taking attention off of the younger guys a little bit and just letting them do their thing and, and learn. And I'm looking here at the questions I have for you. None of them are about Bo or Biggio or Vlad. So I right, guess yeah. yeah, that's uh, strategy accomplished. Um, but another young guy who it looks like is going to play a key role this year is is Alejandro Kirk. Um, and maybe, I don't know, I saw a lot of t- debate and read a bunch of stuff on you know, is it time yet to give up on Reese McGuire and what happens there? But all the way through it, it was kind of right there under our noses that every time Ray pitched, Kirk caught him. So they were clearly trying to, you know, see if that was going to work. Robbie Ray's had a lot of nice things to say. Like maybe it was more obvious than it should have been that he was going to make the team. Did it surprise you that he did, given what it likely is going to mean for Reese McGuire? And do you think it's the right call? I do think it's the right call. I'll say that up, up, up front. It, 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 you know, if you'd have asked me, you know, when camp opened, I, I guess it would have been a little bit of a mild surprise, or or, or not, not even. I would have thought it was possible, but not as as much of a given as I think. You're right. We should have seen all of the way. And uh, the thing that I've written about, you, know, you probably saw, uh, is that Atkins mentioned on uh, I think at a TSN radio hit. Uh, a couple weeks ago that they had their team nutritionist, like their head nutritionist go down to Mexico mm-hmm. for, for weeks to work with Kirk this winter. And it's like, that's, you, you know, you don't do that if you're going to be in Buffalo, right? You don't do that for just any guy. Like you do that as somebody for somebody who you think is going to be so central to your team. And they really like Riley Adams. And I know McGuire is a, uh, 
a very good defensive catcher. The reputation there is great. The reputation about, you know, Dollar Tree maybe maybe took a hit last year. <laughs> um, but uh, it's going to leave him Christ. exposed. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you can go down the rabbit hole there. Yeah. Um, but he's just he's just a he's just a guy, I think. And and a, a thing I wrote today, which I was like, oh yeah, that, that that's a good way to put it. Stoughton uh, was because <laughs> I call myself by my last name. Obviously. Sure, why not? Uh, was just a, I you know, McGuire because he's out of options. You know, there's the only place he can continue to try to develop that bat is in the major leagues, and he's just not as good as Kirk and you, no. you know, you want the major league team to be better. And like, I think there's a significant difference there. I think Kirk, they like as a defensive catcher. I don't think they like him as much as McGuire. McGuire is really good, but he just, he does so much more offensively. He allows, he can DH, he can pinch hit. Like you're not. Well, that's the other point, team. right? Is it allows them to have the smaller bench too, because mm-hmm. you know, you're never going to bring in McGuire to pinch hit. Um, whereas he could with Kirk. So, I mean, maybe that is part of it allows him to carry an extra pitcher and, and push some decisions down the road a little bit. I think so. And I think it's probably better for Kirk's development as well to have him in the big leagues. You know, he could probably, he could use, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't played above a ball, but he just, he showed so well last year in that little cameo and what he's done this spring. It's like, no, he's probably, you're probably not helping his bat unless he's facing major league pitching. Right. And it just, it all sort of makes sense. Now, whether they try to sneak McGuire through and maybe keep him in Buffalo, the, that remains to be seen. Like we could still see him on the opening day roster, but I don't think, you know, I think that, that telling Kirk first is clearly a sign that, that he's your guy. And yeah. Might eat him Danny Jansen's playing time as opposed to you know, see any time in the minors. Yeah. And uh, you know, I was listening to uh, Arden Zwelling and, and Ben Nicholson Smith there last week on their podcast. And they were talking about, you know, you can go find, another Reese McGuire. You can find another Caleb Jones, right? Like there's somebody, if you just need another catcher, right? Like somebody to kind of come in and be on the, at the alternate site or whatever that's going to look like, or, you know, you can find that guy, but if, you know, if Danny Jansen were to get hurt or Kirk were to get hurt, but right now you're best served while you're out here wanting to contend to just go with your best lineup and, and be maybe a little less worried than in past years about, trying to keep as many people as you can just put your best lineup out there it seems right now to probably yeah. be the best way to go i think that you see that a little bit in the bullpen too like tim Mesa got told he made yep. the team he's a guy who's on a minor league deal like they did not have to find a spot for him mm-hmm. but he was the guy who earned it and and you know it's good for them it's it, we shouldn't have to pat them on the back for right. putting the best team out there but oh, that's, that's just funny. sort of that's sort of where the sport is at right now and it's nice to see them having turned that corner absolutely uh, i can't imagine that Boston will be as bad as they have been. Um, I don't know what to think about Baltimore. New York and Tampa are always going to be there. What do you think? All things said and done, I'm kind of with you that, uh, you know, we'll see where they are at the deadline, and maybe then you go find your two or three starter uh, if you're still hanging around and and in the race. What do you think is realistic, and, you know, are the – are they capable of winning a division? Is it a more of a wild card thing? What do you, how do you see this playing out? Uh, I think they're capable of winning the division. If something terrible <laughs> happens to the Yankees, basically, <laughs> uh, I think the Yankees are pretty good. Um, so yeah, I, 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 it's more of a wild card, but obviously they'll, they'll, they're, you know, they're not going to look solely at the wild card. They're going to try to keep, you know, continue to hang with the Yankees for as long as they possibly can. And I think that they'll do a decent job of that. I don't know if they're better than the Rays. I don't, I'm pretty sure they're better than the Red Sox, yeah. but I think people are, are sleeping on the Red Sox a little bit. Uh, well, it just means then, the Red but, Sox are going to take a couple more wins off you than maybe they would have in the past. Right. And, and that, yeah. that always keep, hurts in the race. So, and they still, you know, they still have some guys. I know yeah. they got rid of Ben Attendee, but they, they still have, they still have some real talent over there. So they can't be overlooked and, and, you know, series to series. Yeah. It's going to be a tough team to beat. And the Rays are the Rays, even though they lost Snell and Morton, which I think, uh, hopefully, you know, as this Jays fan in me speaking, hopefully that means that they're going to, uh, take a bit of a step back you know that they can't continually replenish talent <laughs> like that but they have a knack for it i think we maybe overestimate it sometimes but right. we'll see in september if uh, the, you know if they maybe just they'll, maybe they'll raise their way to it again you know that's that's sort of they're built to to exceed expectations that's something mark shapiro has talked about he wants the blue jays to do to be able to look at take ex- objective expectations and know that they have a player development system and all these things in place where they can 
beat that every year because they know that they're not going to have the financial. They're so annoying. Like every year (laughs) there's like three or four guys on that team in some position or another that 90% of us have no idea who that guy is or where he came from. It just, Oh, but he bats 289 this year and, or is suddenly, you know, throwing 103 out of the bullpen and all right, like that's Tampa doing Tampa things. Um, I'm really intrigued (laughs) this year to get a look at, at San Diego. Um, obviously they've made a bunch of noise and, um, you know, some fascinating contractual obligations. If they're, I I think, I hope they're going to put some pressure on the Dodgers. Is, is there a team for you this year that maybe we're not talking about that much that on a Blue Jays off day or the late night game, is there, you know, one team that you're more likely than, than others to, to tune in and get a look at? I mean, I think you're right. San Diego is just, you know, so exciting, just so loaded with talent and did the thing this winter that, you know, you, as a fan, you want your team to do, you want your team to do every year, which is just go out and make the, your team as good as possible yeah. at, at every spot. You know, they, uh, you know, and it's, and it's San Diego, which is crazy, but which is, uh, it's unusual though. They're, though they're in a, they're in a unique position, I think, you know, in their market, right. They don't have a lot, uh, you know, have the Chargers anymore and true yeah they, i don't think they have the Chargers anymore i don't is uh i don't know they <laughs> seem to bounce around a fair bit john, it's hard to keep track of where they are john carney still a kicker i'm not <laughs> sure where's stan humphreys but uh <laughs> but yeah I, I think they're like they're they're super fascinating um you know uh, the white Sox are i think going to be really interesting i think the twin the twins i really i i like the twins rotation but sort of like Sit uh, more sentimentally than like in terms of what, how good I think. But Barrios is great, and Mado was great last year. Jay Happ, Matt Shoemaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, come on, you got Josh Donaldson on that team. Like, yeah, that's kind of uh, that's 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 going to be an interesting team to watch a lot. And and I didn't watch very much. I'm not going to lie of the uh, the other divisions last year. And obviously, like you know, watched you know, the Jays didn't play anybody else last year, so no. it's going to be interesting to to get a chance to see. I'm uh, going through that right now, guys. trying to do these episodes with hockey people i've i've been watching <laughs> right the, our own little league up here north of the border i have no idea what's going on in new york or tampa or whatever else. so yeah you do kind of get locked in on on your own little part of the world uh i also i probably will keep an eye on uh like i said bit of a double a AA fanboy, so i'll be seeing what the braves are up to as well there sure. i enjoy getting a look at them um Some canadians down there too which is yeah, nice for sure uh put you on the spot give me a a world series matchup Oh God! Um, <laughs> uh, I like the Padres. I like the Padres because I'm not going to pick Trevor Bauer's team, <laughs> no matter who he's on. Uh, so you're happy the, we didn't get him. <laughs> I am. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He sucks. He yeah, sucks in a big way. Just uh, cannot... smug as hell. Too. <laughs> like everything about him, you're just like get lost, man. Throwing a pitch with your eyes closed and then hitting a guy—it's like you're. The... <laughs> I yeah. know it's a curveball, but like that's faster than most people can throw, like at max effort. For like, sure, that could that could. I, I'm like you know I, I I'm a, I'm my dad now, but I could die, that could hurt somebody, <laughs> frankly, and I don't care for it. Right. Uh, but yeah, so I, I I mean the Padres definitely, uh, and then obviously the Blue Jays. Nice the American League. Yes, I like that. <laughs> So there will definitely I don't be. know. I don't know how they're going to pitch their way through a. Uh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> going to be winning a lot of twelve eight games here through the even yeah. through October apparently. Yeah. Well, uh, Alec Manoa is going to come and, and save the second. Yeah, half. you mentioned him earlier. Do, are we going to see him this year? I think it's very possible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just based on the, the number of the way they got to spread out innings, I, I wouldn't have said that until he went out and just absolutely dominated big leaguers all spring. But, yeah. Uh, he did that, and so I, I, you know, I think they really like this. is a weird, this is a bit of a tangent, but just like the, you know, the shutting down of the minor leagues and the restructuring, and and you know, teams really, uh, it was unexpected that they went to the alt sites, but I think they really see that as a new frontier of player development, and I mm-hmm. think that they really got a lot out of that, and I think, you know, Kirk was a big beneficiary of that. It looks like Manoa was. I think Santiago Espinal was a guy where you know it, it's not competitive games, but they're they're work they're they're working every day. They're able to you know use the technology and use the coaching in a in a, a different way than just going out and playing every day in the minors. Mm-hmm. And uh, and some of those guys that were at the alt site, I I I'm ready to uh, to take the over on. So if he gets in here, and and you're right because we whether Pearson's healthy or not, you know they're going to be keeping an eye on his innings. We've talked about Ryu. 
maybe better suited to be every sixth day than than every fifth. Um, is he making starts, or is this like one of those Aaron Sanchez <laughs> things where he's just coming in to gun it out of the bullpen for you in you know the second half of the season? Or how would you be looking to use him? He's making starts. Here's the thing, Alec Manoa. Uh, you know, the not all the websites will have your college stats on them but he you know between west virginia and vancouver in 2019 i think he got up to almost 130 innings mm-hmm. so okay you know he didn't get there last year but that's what that's probably Pearson's more had than, recently yeah right exactly <laughs> so that's that, that's maybe less of a concern on him like i don't think they're gonna like i mean he's obviously not gonna the start of the season they can uh they can baby him a bit and then yep. when he comes riding riding in on that white stallion to to save the day <laughs> there you go I like it. Tell us again uh, about the Substack, where people can find it, and uh, before we get out of here. Yeah, it's uh, Stoughton, my last name, S-T-O-E-T-E-N, dot Substack, dot com, or just the Batflip, dot C-A, uh, and that's where you can find all my bizarre thoughts about the Toronto Blue Jays, basically, which is, uh, 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 I don't know, if you're not familiar with my work, uh, go there and, and, and find out, and if you are, then uh, then you know. Yeah. Stick around. It's been uh, it's been great so far. I jumped in a few weeks ago, or whenever you fired it up, was happy to see uh, another outlet that you were going to be back writing for. Uh, we will include the uh, the address um, in the show notes at talkandaudio.com as well. So, uh, Andrew, thank you so much for doing this, man. Really appreciate it. Anytime, man. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, that's it. We're just a day away. We're ready for some baseball. It means spring is around the corner. It means hopefully we can get back outside and be less slightly less locked down. Although I guess really in Dougie's Ontario, we're not particularly locked down as it is anyway. So uh, we'll not get political. We'll get out of here on that baseball on Thursday. The Blue Jays and Yankees uh, will have tons more Blue Jays talk as the season goes on. And if he's got time for us, maybe we'll bring Andrew back, have another beer and, and see how things are going. Would love to do it. Awesome. Uh, with that, we'll wind this one down. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TallCanAudio, Facebook.com slash TallCanAudio. And wherever you're hearing us right now, make sure you have hit the subscribe button. Uh, make sure you're here on Friday morning. Michaela Schreider returns to the podcast. And next week, Kevin Mickey from Sportsnet. It's WrestleMania week. He'll get us set for that. So uh, we will see you on the next TallCan Audio. It is over. Now that's a tasty beverage. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching TallCanAudio on your favorite podcast app.